every organization's first job is to hire great people. And if you've done that, then most misunderstanding, frustration in, in professional life or personal really comes from a gap of understanding. If people knew what I knew, they would do what I would do in the same situation. You're listening to Toolbox of the Trades, brought to you by Service Titan, a podcast for top service professionals where we interview leaders for their best tips and tricks of the trades. Learn how industry trailblazers stay ahead of the competition and how you too can be at the forefront of an industry. Let's jump in. Hello, contractors, and welcome to season three of Toolbox for the Trades. We kick off this season with the VP of Learning and Development at Haller Enterprises, Eddie McFarlane. To say that Eddie is a champion for service techs would be an understatement. In addition to sitting on the board of both ACA and Nate, Eddie dedicates his time to developing his 300-plus technicians at Haller and collaborating with fellow service professionals to make lasting improvements to technicians' lives and careers everywhere. Eddie is a man of action with a ton of great ideas. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Thanks for listening. Eddie McFarlane, welcome to the Toolbox for the Trades podcast. Hey, it is great to be here. Longtime listener, first-time caller and all that. No, it's good. Uh, I'm super excited to chat with you. We got introduced by a similar friend, Dave Rothhacker, who is a writer for GoTime Success Group. And he kind of is just a everyman in the trades, so to speak, loves writing about the trades. And he saw you speak and he just told me that I needed to chat with you because you had some really forward thinking ideas. And honestly, I, I think you do. And I'm really excited to share them. Oh, thank you. Dave is uh, one of the great guys in the industry. He's, uh, he's, he's our renaissance man. And I, uh, I'm deeply appreciative for the relationship. He is a renaissance man. I have to pass this along to him. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> let's kick off this episode with every, every, the same way that I do for everyone. How did you get into the trades? Yeah, great. You know, I am that non-traditional technician. I was not the kid taking the toaster apart. I've never worked on a hot rod. I, this was my second career, albeit I got into it 20 years ago. I was brought into it from a friend through church that had a sort of small family plumbing and HVAC business. And this was 20 years ago, I guess. They were, believe it or not, struggling for skilled labor. And glad to say we've got that problem fairly fairly solved, right? And we've made good use of the last two yeah. decades. I don't think yeah. I've ever heard a technician, a contractor <laughs> say, I, I'm at a, I have all the technicians I need. Yeah. 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 I, I was really, I, I, I think that the headline to my whole career in the trades is I've just been really, really lucky, really fortunate. I feel like there's been uh, mentors and, and friends and teammates in the industry that have always looked out for me. And, and uh, Cliff Weaver, it was a small family company that brought me on. I, I said, if, uh, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't think I could screw in a light bulb, but if you want to train me and fire me, if it doesn't work out, I don't want to look bad for you. And he didn't miss a beat and said, oh, I'll fire you. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, let's give it a try. And I, I, I came in like many others. I sort of rode along back then and wrapped up the extension cord and the lead tech would come and <laughs> he would rewrap it because there's a right way to wrap an extension cord. And, and uh, you know, I would go get the, go get the tools. And, and, uh, and I was just fortunate to have some great teachers that were very methodical and, and were willing to take the time with a sort of thick-headed person in the, in the, to the trades. That, that company joined a franchise, so I, I got exposed to those systems and that process. 
again, the timing was great. And then, you know, I, 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 uh, I spent a number, I, I got to do a number of things in the field and served. I ended up being mostly a service tech and yeah, I loved the people, loved the coworkers and, and really enjoyed the, uh, getting to meet our customers. That's awesome. And we'll get into your career in a second because you have a very interesting job title that I don't see in the trades frequently, but I always love to ask, what was your first career? Oh, uh, I was a, I was a chef. I was a, yeah, I, uh, I worked in a number of different restaurants, mostly fine dining. I did it back home. I grew up in Scotland. I uh, came over to America when I was 21 to marry my bride. And I've been very, very fortunate with that as well. And uh, I wanted to stay married. <laughs> so <laughs> kitchens are tough. Uh, you're always working nights, weekends. So I thought, I know what, I'll, I'll get into something where the hours are going to be much better. I'll become a service tech. <laughs> Clearly, uh, it worked out okay because we're still married. So That's yeah. fantastic. And I should take this moment to say that I come from the restaurant world as well. And um, I'm very familiar with chefs and the camaraderie slash sabotage-like relationships amongst chefs and sous chefs. I could see why maybe you got along with service technicians very well as well. <laughs> Yeah, from one grill pit to another, it's uh, it, it worked. It worked out well. Nice, very cool. So, as of today, you work for a company called Haller, uh, and you've been there for over fourteen years. And I was I was looking at your LinkedIn, and I just was blown away because you went from doing sales to marketing, and now you're the VP of Learning and Development. And I don't think there are many plumbing and HVAC shops that have that role. So, talk to me about what you do in in learning and development, and how you got to that role. Yeah, it's a, you're, you're right. It's a, it's, it's a great position to be in. And uh, I, I think th throughout my career, it's people ask me what I do. And, and, and the easiest, I, I just sort of jokingly say I'm, I'm the company junk drawer, right? It's uh, if it, if it needs done or it, it's not quite sales, it's not quite support. We'll, we'll, we'll put it, we'll, we'll put it in Eddie's world, but I've been really, again, fortunate, given a lot of opportunity. Haller is the, an organization that believes in empowering people uh its mission is to enrich lives every day and so I, I consider myself an accidental trainer when i was brought on board as special projects because that's that's where we were at the time and so it was really to to try and get ahead of the the retailization of the industry we, we were very familiar with construction but we wanted to uh, grow our service add-on replacement division and there was a couple of key team members there already i was able to join and so with each department, whether it was sales or uh, commercial uh, sales or, or uh, service, I would go in and, and we'd sort of identify our, our objectives. And then we would sort of put a structure in place with the team. We'd look at our resources, at our budget. And eventually, at some point, somebody has to figure out how you're going to hit it. And so that sort of leads you to training and, and, and uh, through, through structure and the application of training to hit goals, you end up getting good at training I, I mean i think neil bohr's was the nobel prize winning physicist he just he defines a, an expert as someone that's made all the mistakes possible in a very narrow field and when it comes to training i feel very lucky that you know there's some colleagues that probably hear this and they were in my first training class you know what they weren't good <laughs> they weren't good i read the books i tried it i watched the YouTubes and I went out there and did it, but I was, I was, I was fortunate to be part of a team that uh, allowed me the runway to continue to, to, to work with those things. And, and with a great team of people that were vested in succeeding, I, I ended up continuing training. 
And so training evolved into sort of business development and what other opportunities. And then, you know, as you go through the, the customer journey, there's different places that you can impact. And that same process has just led to a career of, of uh, the learning. And then the individual development is something that we, we try and make sure that our team feels good about as well. And so learning and development. Interesting. So kind of by identifying objectives in all the departments you've worked at at Haller and by setting a strategy to execute on those objectives, you just really learned how to train. Yeah. So, so, and, and, and again, credit to everybody I've worked with that at some point you've got budget, you've got a team of people that are willing to do it, whether it's service tax, residential sales, commercial sales, um, B2B, uh, whatever, you know, you have to, uh, you have to get out of the classroom and you have to start doing. And so you, you write along, you, you come in with an incoming view or a hypothesis. You think here's a value prop to everyone. And then you just got to do, you know, at a certain point, an imperfect plan executed swiftly is better than uh, sort of a perfect plan that never really gets off the shelf. And so, so yeah, at a certain point and, and we create feedback loops and we listen and we, you know, we, we practice a lot, change management to make sure that we're, you know, um, taking our own medicine, but, but eventually, you know, you iterate and you, you continue to just move the ball forward. And before you know it, you've, you've got, you know, a great team of people that are out there uh, helping people every day. I love that. I love the imperfect plan executed swiftly is better than a perfect plan never executed at all. And I want to go more into that and change management. But before, can you talk to me a little bit about the kind of work that Haller does and what kind of service techs you're dealing with, you're training with, and what are your objectives as a company yeah. so folks know where you're coming from? Yeah, so uh, we company of uh, South Central Pennsylvania, uh, headquartered in Lidditz. We have five locations and we're a multi-trade organization. So we do HVC, we do plumbing, and we do electrical. Uh, we do those in both the commercial and residential sphere, and we do those. Uh, our construction is primarily the commercial construction, and the uh, add-on and replacement is in both the commercial offices and business parks, uh, retirement communities, dorms, that sort of thing, and, and then also, you know, mom and dad at the kitchen table. And so our techs really cover the gambit, everything from uh, construction on the one side all the way through, um, you know, commercial uh, service techs to residential service techs and installers. Got it. And in terms of the types of training that you run as VP of learning and development, can you go into which programs uh, either you're really passionate about or ones that, you know, are some of your favorites, not to make yeah. you pick and choose but amongst your children? No, no, it's great. And, and it's worthwhile saying at, at this level, there's really a team of people that are leading the businesses and, and I get to I get to work with them, usually in the inception. A problem well-defined is really half solved. And so, you know, it's not common in the training world. People says, hey, we need uh, our average tickets done. We need sales training. And it's like, okay, that may be true, but let's do the, the sort of the five levels of why, right? Like, why are you seeing that? And, and when you get to it, you may find that it's a lack of confidence. You know, technicians are famous for being both simultaneously the most brash, loud, confident people, and yet the most insecure at the same time. And, and if they don't know absolutely everything and could win double jeopardy every day on a subject, they might just be a little hesitant uh, at, uh, at not bringing it up. And so sometimes what seems like a lack of performance is really a lack of technical competency. Sometimes it is quote, quote, sales, it's how do you, it's not, it's not about closing sales, it's about opening conversations. And sometimes they just don't know how to do that. Uh, when you think, I think uh, it, it's something that many people have identified over the last couple of decades. A lot of people got into this industry to help and to fix things and to work with their hands. 
and the role has really changed over the last 20 years. When I was, you know, back when dinosaurs roamed, if you had a universal gas valve, some thermocouples and some belts, you could work on pretty much everything. Well, today, you know, they need to work on a lot of different things. They need to know about building envelopes. They need to know about physics. They need to know about low voltage and Wi-Fi. And by the way, we also need to talk to people about money, which is, you know, something that most adults are uncomfortable having conversations around. So it's, it's a tough gig. And so the thing that I feel passionate about is when people have an issue that just gives them a knot in their stomach about their job, something they have to do every day, when we can work together, whether it's one-on-one or as a, as a group, and, and just create like a little mind shift there where we can see it differently and we go, oh, okay, well, yeah, that's not too bad. I can do that. And then you, they call you back and they're like, hey, just so you know, I know we argued about this thing and I told, I told you were crazy, but I did it and it went great. Like, I mean, I don't know. That, that feels yeah. like a pretty rewarding way to spend the day. For sure. And I love what you just said. I have questions about the five levels of why, which I wrote down. But what I really want to kind of dig into is if you can uncover, you know, what's the thing in a person's job that not in their stomach that really gets them anxious about that part of their job. So it sounds like your approach is really to get to the center of why and not just slap a, we need a higher average ticket, let's give them sales training kind of approach. You're really about working on an individual level. Yeah, so I think, you know, every organization's first job is to hire great people. And if you've done that, then most misunderstanding, frustration in in professional life or personal really comes from like a gap of understanding. I, I, I believe that if people knew what I knew, they would do what I would do in the same situation, right? And so if I think this is a logical approach, but someone isn't there yet, it's it, as the trainer, it's my job to speak their language and understand what they know and then build the bridge to that understanding because learning is bolt on. It's why analogies and, and um, you know, stories and parables are so powerful because if we understand something in one context and we can say, well, it's kind of like this and they go, oh, well, yeah, that makes sense there. And, and then logic does the, the rest of the word. And, and I inherently believe people want to be good at what they do, especially in high performing organizations. Nobody wants to be the weak link. And so it's just about like seeing where they're at. And, and Covey has this great line about seeking first to understand before seeking to be understood. And it's so powerful. And it's, it's such a thoughtful way of, of being. And, and I think it might take a little bit longer in the classroom, but long-term performance when somebody learns something from themselves versus they're told to do something, uh, that'll only last as long as the force or the, the whatever mechanism that the, the carrot is in place. But if you want long-term change, help somebody discover something for themselves. And I think you're unlocking true potential then. Yeah, I 100% agree. Now, Haler is a, Haler, why can't I get this word? Haler is a, I was asking Eddie how to pronounce it before the podcast started, a little behind the curtain stuff for everyone listening. <laughs> um, you guys are an enterprise level shop. How many technicians do you have? So we have about 300 vehicles on the road uh, every day. We have about 400 employees uh, across our, our trades and divisions and support staff. And, and about there's about 300 vehicles uh, on the road on any given day. Dang. And you're able to still apply this very individualized learning and development to such a broad organization, then by that argument, we can apply it to any level of shop. If you can yep, do it. I, I, absolutely. And, and really, it's, it's I, I would say we're very fortunate that it really has become part of our culture. And listen, people know when you 
do things to them. Like they, we've all been part of an organization where the boss goes to a conference, comes back, and he's like, "Oh great, <laughs> oh what what Jedi mind trick are we doing now?" And they can they can feel it. But what when it's an authentic part of your communication style, and when everybody wants to see people enrich, and listen, we have goals, and there's 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 business objectives, but you got to have a team to meet those objectives. And and we're not perfect, and we 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 stub our toe, and 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 it. You know, it, it takes a commitment. And I think one of the definitions I like is commitment is doing the thing you said you'd do long after the mood in which you said it passes, right? Like we've all been yeah. there January 2nd, like, do I really want to go to the gym, right? It's the reason gyms are empty like the third week of January. Uh, and, and and so it's a commitment to an ethos of, of um, we call it self-discovery and, and helping people uh, understand what, what, what they need to understand. And, and, and I think speaking clearly and, and making sure we're, we're effective in our, in our communication and we're clear and we're not sugarcoating things. We're not like, it's, it's very adult conversations. Pe- people crave clarity and we, yeah. can, we can be transparent with people. You know, they, we say we want things, but when you look at what people actually follow, it's clarity. And, and uh, Brene Brown has this great quote about clarity is kindness. So, you know, being clear with people is kind. And so I think, you know, when, when you have those really um, transformative conversations, you, you, I think you're being helpful with, with, with people. And, but it's not, listen, it's not an easy switch and it takes practice. For sure, for sure. Yeah. I want to hear how you go about implementing change at a, you know, 400 plus person organization. And I'd also yeah. love you to define the five levels of why, because I said it before and then I... Yeah, yeah, we, we can. So there's a couple of great books on it. It's the QBQ or question behind the question. And it's just this understanding and um, that whenever you get an answer, you should really, if you want incredibly powerful communication and and... I feel like I, I learned most of my communication skills from 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 my kids growing as they grew up. I was, uh, you know, really want people to. I just believe people have a fundamental goal in life, which is to be seen, heard, and understood. Period. That's just that's just what makes us human. And I will fight anything that says different. And I am like at least five foot six, so people like I will fight people on this. Um, it's it's the, the the why behind the, the the five whys is just this. In many cases, in organizations, we see knee jerk reactions and or uh, responses to what are really symptoms. When really a great diagnostic process, every technician knows this. Is you you, you take things to the root, and so uh, why you know. Why do you say we need sales training? Well, our average ticket is low. Why do you think it could be low? Well, so-and-so usually does this and that's this. Okay, what do you think's changed about that? Well, and before you know it, you're actually getting to the, the, the you know, it's, it's much better to treat uh, the disease than these symptoms. And when you see, we've all seen sales trainers come in and do their thing for two days. They get paid a lot of money and we've done it. No shame in that. But when you want long lasting impact, you must get to, to the root causes, which are usually to do with people <laughs> and understanding. And also people are complex and they're not easy or can be solved or improved and with just a two-day seminar. Right. And and uh, all of us can look in the mirror and agree that we're somewhere on that spectrum ourselves, right? And so it's just, it's the same grace that we extend to others. But um, that, that that's the, 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 the QBQ or the five whys. And it's, it's, it's really powerful. Whenever you get an answer to a question, if everybody takes one thing away from, from today, the, the, the big idea is to just not answer or not respond, but just say, that's really interesting. Tell me more about that. Or, hey, that's really interesting. What made you say that? 
Oh, wow, I've never heard that before. I've been doing this a long time. I'm curious, could you tell me why you picked that one thing or why you said that? And what we really get to is instead of an answer that's passed through our understanding and all the baggage that we bring to things, we actually get to what that person means. And, and, and it, it stems from this understanding that what is said is not what's heard and what is heard is not what's said. It's just, there's a lot of stuff that we like as, as effective communicators, we need to work at. And so the follow-up question is always, is always powerful. So that's a freebie. Well, I love what you just said when you asked that follow-up question. I'm a big fan of tell me more, what made you say that? And I actually learned that when I was training to be a client-centered therapist back in, you know, a million lifetimes ago. I love what you said about we then we eliminate the baggage we bring to an answer. And I think it's so important to be aware of that, especially for say like business owners who maybe were technicians and opened up their own shops and had similar experiences. Maybe when they speak with their technicians, their technicians giving them sticking with the average ticket example, a reason why their average ticket is low. Maybe this owner's like, well, I was a technician and my average ticket was never low. So I don't think you're experiencing that. And I think it's really important to be aware of that as you're trying to solve problems within the business, but also trying to enrich the lives of the folks who work for you. Yeah, it's when we do it, we're connecting with people. And listen, in case we're thinking this is sort of like a tiptoe through the tulips can buy us or like, that's great, but I've got business to run. Go to, go to one conference that isn't talking about hiring. Go to one conference that isn't talking about retention. Go to one conference that isn't talking about how to become uh, the place where people refer people, right? This is where the sausage is made. And, and it doesn't matter what you say. It matters what you do. And more importantly, when you leave the room, what does your team say about you? And, and, and I think... Um, there's this great saying that life can be hard, but it's our job to choose the hard. Turnover is hard. So is having meaningful, engaging conversations that we, you know, with our team, like that's fine, but you get to choose your heart. And by the way, not making a choice is making a choice, right? So whenever we deal with change management, we need to understand that just letting things go is accepting the status quo. That's not until the pain of change is greater than the pain of same do we see change. And, and it's, you know, this is why growth and change is hard. But I think, I think, I think we were about to talk about change, I think, before I warbled on for the last 10 minutes. No, it's fine. We're obviously you and I have um, very similar ideas on things. Uh, so I hope we're not getting too into the Brene Brown empathy uh, spiral <laughs> for all of our listeners. But let's let's talk about we've kind of danced around the issue so far. So let's just jump into technicians. You know, we joked at the beginning when you started out, there was a labor shortage. Today, yeah. everyone with a, with a service shop knows there's a labor shortage. What do owners in 2021 need to do in order to keep their techs, one, attract the best techs, keep those techs and provide them with, you know, the stuff they need as people to feel fulfilled and to feel competent and all the stuff we've been kind of talking about. Yeah. I think, I think understanding that the game has changed. I would say the biggest difference since when I, there, there was a labor shortage 20 years ago. I think the the biggest difference is everybody knows it now and including your team. I think most of us could let a team member go in the morning and they would probably have a job in the afternoon with maybe a dollar raise and a couple extra vacation days, right? Depending on the season. I think um, we need to understand that that's not bad. It's not good. It just is. And so we can bemoan the fact that um, it's tough, but uh, you know, that's, 
that's what separates great organizations is, is, is working on the problem. And I think being a, a place where you get, there's, listen, there's certain table stakes to, to, to be a, a growing organization and attract talent. You got to have good comps and benefits. And we understand they can, they can always get better, but you got to have good table stakes uh, and you got to do your analysis and see where you fit in the market relative to what you're asking people to exchange. For, for that you gotta have good role descriptions i think on the hr side we're a little fuzzy in the trades but we got to give people good goalposts i think anybody on a competitive team wants to know the game wants to know how long it is wants to know how you score points and then we gotta have a scoreboard like i gotta like there's this idea that anybody we should know at any point during the day if we're having a good day or bad day and we should be able to say why beyond this like oh it's tough or yeah i had a, a good day right and then i think we need to I, I think there's throughout the biggest thing I would say is is that the biggest hangover in our industry is the, the the way we choose to influence our teams. And I think there's a lot of us that came up through the ranks that had a command control sort of management style. That's a, like I'm I'm technically one of my Gen Xer, but I, I I consider myself a pro boomer, not just because I'm getting gray early, but like I was I was brought up and kitchens are very sort of hierarchical they're very structured there's like clear do's and don'ts and if you step out of line and 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 so i i recognize i was formed in a boomer type workforce it's you can you can trace it back to the generation that left the war they were very good at doing a couple of things getting people and resources in place by a certain time to do a certain thing but that was predicated on an excess of labor if you didn't like it hit the pike i heard that coming up like uh, you know don't let the door split you uh, hit you with a good lord split you was actually something that was said to me i filed out under inspirational ted talks but like it's changed and so i think understanding that throughout history there's only ever been two responses to control one is to comply and the other is to defy now you'll get compliance as long as the options for the alternative aren't there but in today's world, we need to understand we're not just competing for other HVAC contractors for labor. You know, we've had a declining birth rate for what last 36 years. What's the average age of the person that we're trying to employ, and why aren't they available? It's a sign of a developing country is a declining birth rate. We're competing with everybody for labor, and it's not just the 1.1 million people that are projected to leave over the next 10 years. It's not just their skills. We're competing with you know going to Target and making $15 an hour going to Costco and making $18, you know, there's, and listen, there's just easier ways. And, and we need to understand that this generation came up of, of age and watched the parents go through the great recession where loyalty was uh, in, in instilled in me. And, and, and they watched a lot of their parents get laid off. And so they did this sort of math in their head. That's like, okay, if it really is just about numbers, I can work a part-time shift at the movie theater. Cause I love movies. I can work at this local coffee shop. Cause that's where I, my community is. And, and then I can do this at, be a wedding photographer on the weekend and they'll just reverse engineer their lifestyle because if it's truly just about the money then that's that's all it is and we can get mad at that but that's just is what it is and that's what we're competing with so we need to have a compelling just like selling an air conditioner in a competitive environment we need to have our value prop so i think the last thing is we need to not focus on you know we try and be efficient with our people instead we need to be effective we act like we can't trust them. You just need to drop in one of these social media groups and, hey, and, and you'll see, and I'm not knocking it, right? You'll see somebody say, oh, my guy called out today. What should I do? And within seven minutes, there's 180 versions of fire them, right? And, and okay. I say, 
fire them, be, fire him because then he needs a job and I need to fill a technician. <laughs> well, I, you know, maybe maybe that, maybe that's why they're saying it. But we, we but we need to understand we got to flip that model because times have changed. We need to be effective with our people. We need to act like we trust them. We need to give them more control. We need to invite them into our business problems. We need to have adult conversations with them. And uh, no surprise, the piece, people closest to the problems are usually the best at solving them. So so it's a lot. It, it's 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 a quite complex problem and there's a reason it's been around for 20 years and by the way i think it'll be a lot worse I, there, there are some solutions but i think i think we're in for a bit of a bloodletting over the next two years um and i think it's going to be a lot worse before it gets better yeah uh i think that answer was fantastic and just some things that i, I really want to call out to make sure people heard them is first like talking about hr like what is this job description how do i level up in the organization what does the path look like? Am I just going to be a service tech for here for six months? And then when you get, when you get slow, I'm just going to hop on over to somewhere else. I loved the analogy of the command control style of leading because yes, that doesn't work anymore. As a millennial myself, I can tell you that does not work. And also the, the concept of selling this job, you know, selling oh, yeah. a job like you would sell an H, a brand new HVAC unit, a brand new, um, I can't think of the equivalent for plumbing right now, but you know, for any of your services, how do yep. you sell to your homeowners a ticket item that's $15,000? You gotta do the same thing for your prospective employees. Can you imagine if we just flipped the model a little bit and, and okay, bear, bear with me because I'm gonna get a little too fruity, but like what if the first day our company was actually that employee's best first day ever? Like we didn't just have them show up and wander into the, to the warehouse. Somebody met them, and and what if um when we set the truck up, what if we just said, hey, are you a dual or a Milwaukee guy? Like I I know I know people that are given like outfitted by organizations with all their stuff, but then they have their brand that they like, and so they bring that on. And what if we had paths for people that like to sell and paths that didn't? I mean, we can keep trying and put square pegs and round holes, or we can we can just identify that you know there's there's there may be different work streams for people. Uh, what if we had feedback loops that tied into learning systems, so that we could mm. support a team? Hey, here's here's your next position. Here's here's what that position does. Here's the gap, and here's here's a you know interplay learning uh, is a great tool, right? You can you can. Log on to that anytime and practice you. I need you to do 16 modules before, before, before your next uh, quarterly review. And, and what if positioned about work the way you want? And that may sound a little like, how long have you been writing a desk, Eddie? But here's the deal. We're not the first industry to face this problem. Nursing did it. Uh, there was a, there was a, 20 years ago, there was, a, there was a complete shortage of people in the, in the nursing field. What did they do? They changed the game. They, they went after people that weren't in the traditional market. Uh, technology companies have figured this out. You know, uh, it wasn't all like, you know, if you go out in Silicon Valley, they're getting picked up, they've got their dry cleaning getting done, they got gym membership, but that's not because they've just got so much money. That's because it's an incredibly complex, skilled problem and the best of the best get treated like that. And so if you're thinking um, that that's where you want to go, you need to have a no BS conversation, look in the mirror and say, what am I offering as a competitive? And if I really wanted, if you're in a small town and you have all the labor, you'll have all the work you want and you can, you'll be able to command the price because if you've got all the labor, that's what happens. And so it, it sounds sort of like a little far out there, but if you understand that it can be part of your compelling strategy, 
that allows you to command a price that allows you to take care of your people and your customers for the long term, uh, it's not so far-fetched. Yeah, and I will also add to that, like, as you think about, am I offering the most competitive benefits? I actually sp I had the privilege of speaking with a woman in San Diego the other day who runs a shop that has 12 female technicians and I almost fell out of my chair. Oh. <laughs> and she was like, well, yeah. I, I give my female technicians, you know, the benefits that they want. Uh, I, we didn't get a chance to go into specifics, but she did make that distinction. Like sometimes you'll go into shops and they'll be very male oriented, very male dominated. Like there will be a pool table or there'll be video games. And she's like, well, I configured my shop. And obviously COVID has impacted this in sure, some way or sure. the but I've, I've made sure to have my benefits be inclusive to the type of people that I wanna hire. So not just hiring for that one specific type of uh, person. Yeah, I mean, diversity is, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm planting a flag on this. Diversity is the answer to the skill trade gap. We need to get comfortable with it. We need to not have an emotional reaction to words like diversity and inclusion. We need to be pragmatic. We need to understand that this has been studied by McKinsey, but you name it. Um, uh, the organizations that are more diverse and inclusive outperform everybody else by 35%. Or alternatively, we could continue to spend $5,000 on a LinkedIn ad, $10,000 on billboards and, and play, you know, hiring roulette like, like we've always been doing and then complaining that nobody wants to work. So I just, the, the problem isn't going away and um, we can't continue to write off an entire generation. I'm not accepting that anymore. Uh, I was around 20 years ago. There was crappy apprentices then too. So let's not make out like, you know, you, had, you hired two people under under the age of 25 and 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 one of them didn't work out. So they all suck, right? Yeah. So there, there's work to do, but I'm telling you, I, I've seen this trade solve so many complex esoteric problems when it comes to mechanical systems. We are absolutely uh, capable of solving these challenges. Uh, from within. Um, and if we don't, they'll be solved uh, externally. And uh, that will be bad for everybody. Yeah. I also think that the trades provide such a profoundly accessible path to entrepreneurship that just hasn't oh. been highlighted before. And I think that there's a lot of young people today that are that would be drawn to that. The trades have been so good to me. And I'm just one story. They've just been in a way for me to not just obviously impact my family, raise raise children, live in a community that I I love, and but we get to serve. We literally get to to build our our communities, and and it is so accessible. But we need to stop only telling the horror stories. We need to we need to do or like there's this there's this uh, uh, saying in special forces that I love that no one is coming. It's up to us, right? There's this adult conversation we have with ourselves where we accept responsibility. In our house, the definition of adult isn't an age. It's understanding that you and you alone are solely responsible for where you find yourself. And we as individual uh, people, individual business owners or a trade need to understand no one's coming. They're, they're not going to make a big Hollywood movie about you know, how awesome it is to be in a crawl space in Georgia when it's 100 degrees and sticky. We, we have to start advocating and, and being vocal. What if every, everybody that listened to this one day a week did a social media takeover where they allowed one of their team members to take over their, and, and highlight a different career? Somebody in marketing, somebody in sales, somebody in estimating, somebody, you know, in the call center. And we actually started ourselves to highlight the great, incredible opportunities that the quote, quote, trades have to offer beyond just turning a wrench.
but we can certainly take them to these incredible job sites, the hospitals that we're creating, the factories that we're building, the homes that, that, that we're creating. We can, we can, we can highlight those too. Yeah, you know, it's, up to, it's up to us. Sorry, I'm getting on my soapbox a little bit. Woo. No, it's okay. You're on my soapbox where I actually do where, where I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to do it. Yeah. I, my, my dad comes from the trades. Uh, so I grew up around tradesmen all my life. And then I came to service Titan and I was like, whoa, like there's a lot of different types of people in the trades. So that's right. part of what this podcast aims to do. But yeah. um, let's talk a little bit about the, what technicians should be thinking about when negotiating or considering to work for a new service business and not even say people that are service techs or apprentices now but even you know kids that maybe don't want to go to college or like me got a psychology degree and are now like how do i pay my bills <laughs> you know what should folks be thinking about as they identify as they they dig into this opportunity yeah well i i think they should certainly be asking about the roadmap there's this great saying we have uh, on our team is play the tape forward. If I come and certainly be join your team, what does the next five years look like? And not like, oh, I want to be, you know, your boss, but we can certainly have those conversations. And I think understanding that we can contribute to an organization's success to the extent that we understand, you know, the progression that we can and we'll exchange the five years of my life or 10 years, whatever it is. Um, where will I be and what will I get? That's the transactional side of things. But I also think um, you want to uh, certainly ask about how they handle things like work-life balance. And you, on, the, on the flip side, you should be prepared for some sort of version of we're a seasonal business uh, or we're driven by external storms uh, in plumbing and electrical, for example. But beyond that, what, what are some of the ways that we can facilitate some sense of balance? And what is, what do you do for education and development? Like, what do you do? Like, is it osmosis? Do I sleep with a book under my pillow? Do I just sit next to somebody and watch them do their job for a period of time? And I'm knocking these. Like, I, I learned a lot that way. Well, everything except the book under the pillow. It was the wrong book. It was crap. Um, <laughs> no. But help the business owner have those conversations and, and be open and, and, and uh, understand that that's an important component of, of, uh, the exchange. And I think uh, I'm always curious of uh, how companies use technology. I want to know how they're going to use technology today and not just for me, but for customers as well. Like, I want to know because I think it's easy for organizations to, to skimp on technology inside, but it, I think it's very telling how they deploy technology to their consumers. Um, are they forward thinking? If they are, then they understand you know, the adoption curve and the, and the barriers that, that we'll have. But ultimately, I would be asking how they treat their customers. How, they, how do they handle callbacks? You know, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And so mm. I want to know, how do you handle, you know, product failures, warranty failures? But, but that's, that, that's the important things. And then sort of on this work-life balance, I think there's a couple of great companies that, that I, I know where, you know, I once had a, a, one of my team come and he's like, oh, I got to quit. I'm like, oh my gosh, sit down, why? You know, I'm really good when there's a crisis. <laughs> and uh, he goes, oh, I'm just burnt out. I was like, oh, no. I was like, okay, let's let's review your goals. And he said, I want to sell this. I want to hit this. And I want to make this. And I'm like, great. Okay, got it. That's work. What else? What are your other goals? And I'm like, no, I just told you. And what happens was he was very focused on performance. The scorecard for work was very clear. But I hadn't done a great job of helping him set goals for his personal development, for his education, for his health. You know, these conversations where I could have facilitated more balance. 
And I think there's companies out there right now that are taking, uh, taking the opportunity to help their team understand what balance looks like rather than waiting for that to be dictated to the organization. And so they're bringing, they're doing things like they're bringing Dave Ramsey in to, to help their technicians understand. I mean, I wasn't financially literate. I didn't, I, you know, up until I'd applied for a mortgage, I'd never applied for a mortgage. I didn't know if it was a good one. I thought it was, but there's these organizations that are really helping with health screenings and flu clinics and, and they're really bringing this sort of sense. And I, I would, I would say that those are the ones that will have a competitive environment. Now you can't just do that stuff and then be mean and not nice. Like, you know, you have to have integrity through the whole process, but, but that, that's an opportunity that I would be asking about as a technician, but I would also be sharing as a, you know, uh, do, do they do surveys? You know, how do they, how do they gain feedback from the group? What's my review cycle like? Is it annually? Is it quarterly? How are raises handled? Are they, is it yeah. merit? Is it like, um, does it involve, you know, a Ouija board, a dark room and, and, and uh, you know, some, some letters. So like that's, th those are the conversations. But, but understand that it's, a, it's an adult conversation you need to have. You need to be comfortable and confident in that conversation. And just bear in mind that if it goes well, you will be working with these people. So be respectful through the whole process and, and make sure that that's obviously all done after you shine and sell yourself to that organization. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you just highlighted what technicians should be looking for as they identify their next job. That's what people really would love. And that's what will make them stick. If you actually have programs and processes and in, in development that make that happen. So what would you say? So, you know, we just mentioned, you know, we've been kind of like tiptoeing around through the, high, the entire conversation, you know, getting all kumbaya and sitting around the campfire yeah. kind of thing. That's how this stuff can get easily written off. What do you say to the owner that's been in this business for, you know, 20 plus years and who grew up with that command control mindset, but knows there's a shortage problem and knows there's some things that has to be, has to change, but is so out of what they're used to like what are the first steps that they take if they have kids talk to your kids i'm very fortunate that uh, a lot of my personal development has has come through conversations with my own kids and and, and uh you know sometimes it's easier to see these hear these things from from someone we love than somebody that's maybe in an adversarial position across a negotiating table and then you know uh, right back to to you know the status quo how's that working for you just do a gap analysis you have go like we, we could do this financially for our business it's very clear how is what you're doing working what are you spending what's the return and then to analyze the conclusions you're drawing like you can you can you can do that and i've, I've heard people I've, I've, I've given talks at breakout sessions uh, and people can understand intellectually what's been said but then still not quite connect the dots. You know, it's been said that the shortest distance uh, for a person to travel is 18 inches and it can often take a lifetime. And it's the difference between the head and the heart. Like we can, we can grasp something in our mind, but not really internalize it. So having a no BS assessment, like, okay, what's your alternative? Are you just going to say that there is no good help? What kind of strategy is that? And quite often, you know, if you absolutely had to solve a business problem, if you absolutely had to, what would you do? And that's when uh, I love how creative our industry gets. When you just look at the responses to, to how we've uh, risen to the challenges of COVID, you understand that the people in these trades have hearts uh, as big as mountains and are some of the sharpest minds. But sometimes we do need to get out of our own way when we've got these entrenched ideas. 
then we bring a lot of emotion to them. And so remove the emotion, make an analytical conversation, and then just do a risk reward analysis. Okay, you, you've tried it this way for 20 years. Like if you were gonna start a new division in your company, you'd probably set up a goal. You'd probably decide a period of time in your head that you would think would be a viable test and you would try it. And then you would put someone in charge of it and you would hold them accountable or you would try it yourself and hold yourself accountable. It's, 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 it's very similar. It, it's funny how we can be quite clinical about you know, diagnosing problems in complex building structures. But when we get involved with people, we can, it's easy to get clouded. We, we confuse personality for performance and, and all kinds of things. And, and it's, it's tough. Listen, this is, this is the hardest things. This, this truly, I, I make, I'm making everything sound easy and like, we've got all the answers. We're working on this stuff every single day. And sometimes it's two steps forward and one steps back, but it's the right work for the right time. And, and it's hard, but it's, it's the right hard. I totally agree with that 100%. Um, it is really hard. If, if people could be easily dissected and fine-tuned, then robots would rule the world. <laughs> but no, we're, we're, bags of, we're sacks of emotion that need to be tended to. And even the hardest, grisliest technician you know, still has a heart underneath all that grime. And sometimes you need to access it in order to really form a connection and have a team that's effective. Yeah, if we turned our interviews around and just said, tell me about what a great day at work would look like for you. Tell me a day that you felt like you made a difference. And what would you like, How it's a year from now, you've been with us a year and it's successful because of go, tell me. You know, and, and um, yeah, I really connect with people and, and listen, we, we know that there's surface levels of reasoning for people for doing things. And then the level below that is emotional. And then, you know, we, we, we make decisions emotionally and justify them logically, but deep down inside, we're all driven by a very personal narrative that if we can connect with that, we can, we can really have uh, powerful people doing powerful things with great systems and great technology. And we can, we can really um, make a difference. I, I think the trades, impact on uh, as small small businesses and on economies or or you know i think it's plumbers have prevented more diseases than doctors have ever cured you looked at how, how we all stepped up um during covid to take care of people as an essential service you know we're capable of great great things and this is just one more challenge to to be to be solved but but we'll do it with, with kindness and clarity and uh and removing a lot of the emotion yeah we are recording this at the end of 2020. This will most likely go live first or second week of 2021. Uh, you're, we haven't mentioned this yet, but you're on the board of both Akka and Nate. What are yeah. some, other than you know the tech shortage and how we need to rethink the way we think about talent and nurture and develop talent, what are some other trends that folks in, in the HVAC and other service industries need to be aware of as we embark in this new decade. Yeah, I mean we we could we could get super technical and talk about you know uh, flammable refrigerants and refrigerant changes and, and all of the things that both both ACA, uh, the Air Conditioning Contracts of America and, and and Nate work on to ensure that our teams once they're out there are doing work to an incredible standard and they're equipped with the information to do that. But I think there's there's um, a lot of 
governance. There's a lot of things happening in Washington. There's a lot of things in, in our local levels, uh, legislatively that happen that impact us that I, I think there's an opportunity for people to get involved. It's, it's, it's not uncommon for people to bemoan code compliance. You know, all of a sudden a code guy visits your, um, your job site and all of a sudden you're having to run a new receptacle for this or a dedicated circuit for that. And it, we just sort of take that as the way it is, but there's actually a, there's a small group of people in the trades that, that can get involved and actually influence and speak logic and reason. I'm all for codes. I think they, they, they help everybody out, but um, sometimes they need to hear our perspective. And, and so there's opportunities for people to engage around the standards and excellence of our industry. When I think of the legacy of the people that went before Myself in in organizations like ACA, we were, you know, they wrote the 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 manuals that we literally they literally wrote the book on how we do our job and how we size air conditioners. I think there's opportunities for people to engage in organizations like this and carry the load a little bit for the next generation. And then organizations like Nate, they are a, a testing organization. They're doing things to really make the 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 information that they have and the, the certifications that they provide easier. I think they're understanding uh, they're, they're changing with the times. They're looking at, um, you know, ready to work exams, which business owners can use every day to, to determine, um, you know, good hires. They're, they're looking at um, uh, modules that rather than sit in one big exam, because there's a lot of test taking anxiety in the trades. I've had it told if, if I wanted to take tests, I would have went to college. Right. So, so they're, they're, they're doing things to make um, that easier, but we need to support organizations like that so that they can help us uh, with many of the challenges. And, and I would tell you that anybody that's been privileged to, to, to be supported by the trades has a sort of moral responsibility to the body that follows you know, and, 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 and it's sort of like paying it forward, get, get involved. And if you don't like it, either of these organizations, even more reason to get involved because they're ours and nobody owns them. They belong to the trades. And so, so I think there's, there's, there's lots of opportunities. And I think, I think service is the main call out there, but beyond that, I think, I think that both of those are looking at um, workforce development issues. How do we, who, 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 who makes a good team member, uh, things like diversity, uh, but more importantly, inclusion um, and, uh, um, one of the other trends that I think we'll see more about is mental health. I think mm. it's under it's it's under discussed. You know, when you look at who's in the trades, they're the number one target for um, suicides. Um, and and uh, we're tough on each other. We're like a big bunch of big brothers, and we rag on each other all the time. And I actually think there's an opportunity for mental health to be discussed candidly and openly, and again with kindness. You know, we all work with people every day that have entire lives that are going on that we don't even know about, and so, so I think uh, I, I think that we'll we'll see some more conversations around mental health. Uh, at least I hope we do, yeah. um, uh, specifically in the trades, because uh, again, we're as rugged and you know raggy uh, on each other as we like. But I also know that there anybody in the trades that I've known. If they legitimately knew that the person next to them was struggling, they would give them the shirt off their back. And so it's a hallmark of the industry. And I'd, I'd love to see us address the mental health issues as well. Mental health issues, that should be easy. Cross that off the list. Easy. First should thing be. we'll do. Man, save, be. The best for, save, save the best for last, Eddie. I could have talked to you about mental health for the entire episode. Um, <laughs> so I, have, I, have, I have two more questions. Then I have some rapid fire questions that I okay. ask everyone. No math though, right? No math? I was told there'd be no math on this test. Okay, good. (laughs) 
there's no math. I am historically bad. I am very bad at it. Um, but so historically, Service Titan has always spoken to owners, right? You know, we're a software provider for the trades. How should we start thinking about technicians and how should we start considering them as we not only develop the product, but as we start creating more content like this, thought leadership pieces, help them? Yeah, it's, uh, I, I really appreciate that question. There's a, a lot of humility in that question. First off, Service Titan's doing great. <laughs> like, I think I think we can all agree they're they're doing great. I, I think um, partnering with uh, leading organizations in the industry that are training our contractors how to run their business is, is something that I've seen seen them do. But making sure there's clear scorecards that just not just represent high level KPIs, but but you know reports and dashboards are great. But but what I'm really interested in is something that can help me make a decision for to to do something or not do something. So so uh, some metrics push down to the technician level, and I think that starts by having a no rank focus group uh, of technicians to really understand the challenges they face. I, I I think great technology is great, but I've seen a lot of technology that's done to the people instead of for them. And there's a listen. There's a challenge in, in software that that the people that pay for it have their own wish list, right? That's insight into their business performance, high level metrics, KPIs, uh, drill downs, all of that. And and the joke is it's often sold to the to the CEO or business owner, but it's used by the technician, right? And so uh, I think balancing uh, those or extracting usable data in, in, in meaningful ways uh, from technicians is good. But I'm a big believer in, in a world that is dynamically changing, empowering technicians is is the answer uh, there's there was a, a general in the war in the, the middle east and uh, i think he was a marine general um charles crulaw he had this concept he re- reignited this concept of strategic corporals and what he recognized is that by the time the briefing got done and the t- the, the troops were rolling out kicking the doors in by the time they got to that house whoever insurgent they were after was long gone because we live in a dynamic fast changing often communicating world and, and in, a, in a world where you know you used to be able to bring people in once a week and talk about like hey if somebody says they can get it cheaper here say this well that's fine but the reality is the access to information from a, t- a customer signing off to a technician going out to the truck and getting the part it's been googled it's been amazoned and and so uh, I, I i would suggest that the people kicking in the doors would be the best people to answer that question. And I'm going to respectfully recuse myself because I think you would just get another layer of, of fluff there. Um, but uh, on a very tactical level, including identifying that, but then including training and support, uh, you know, uh, buttons on, on any stage of a, of a, a business flow or a workflow that addresses those and is fueled by a feedback loop of technicians in real time is it would be really useful. Because it's a, it's a changing world and it's changing fast, and our technicians are are juggling a lot. Yeah, they certainly are, and I really hope that we can help them out more as we as we yeah. move forward. Um, so I appreciate you answering that question. Thank you. We covered a lot. Is there anything we should have talked about that we didn't? Oh, I appreciate that. No, I, I, I no, I, <laughs> we did cover a lot. I, I, uh, I'm just so grateful to the trades and and to the to the people that were were patient with me and and I would encourage everybody to be patient and kind to their teams as we as we all get to grips with whatever 2021 and beyond brings to us so 
Yeah. I mean, speaking of mental health, just for anyone who is not a mental health person, I understand. I get it. It's, you know, the, the generation before me still considered called them shrinks and there was something wrong with you if you saw a therapist, yep. you know. But 2020 brought a year where literally the rug was pulled out from every single person on this planet. Yep. Everything that we knew to be true and to rely on got flipped around. And so yeah. that causes trauma. That right. causes some some wounds in your psyche, in your soul, whatever you call it, yep. that uh, I think we'll have to deal with not only on a workforce level, but on a personal level as well. Yeah, and I, I think it's the personal level that, that I think will be impacted the most because it, it's not it's not really anything to do with what you believe about, like whether you believe, you know, masks help or don't or politics or whatever. The reality is, what I've noticed is we're all going through this world this this year together, but we're all experiencing it in very unique ways. Uh, we're all somewhere on the impact get, uh, spectrum, and and we're all somewhere on the on the uh, understanding spectrum. And so, when two people on different spectrums of, 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 of different ends of both of those spectrums meet, there's an opportunity for friction. And I think uh, a grace and understanding that we don't really understand what the other person is walking through. What they're, I've seen people pivot to work from home they've got, they've locked them you know they, they yeah I've, I've got a home office i'm very fortunate but there's there's people that are handling calls they're on the kitchen table they're homeschooled their kids they've got like maybe a loved one that's laid off they've maybe got a, a you know a, a parent or grandparent they haven't seen and it, it's just tough man i don't know we can all buck up and we'll get through this but uh but i think it's it's worthwhile recognizing and seeing the other person in the situation they're in totally ready for some rapid fire questions and i'll let you go yes all right. How do you take your coffee? Oh, cream. If you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, gosh, that's really, really, uh, um, um, uh, Marcus Aurelius. Oh, Marcus Aurelius. He was the person who wrote um, meditations. The, the meditations. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, I enjoy the Stoics and, and uh, he wasn't the founder, but he's very interesting. Interesting. What's the number one thing you're trying to learn more about now? Uh, <laughs> I'm continuing to learn how to be a, a good, uh, husband and father. Okay. If money weren't an object, so you had unlimited resources, what's the first thing you would do? I, you know what I would do? So light heart, I'll, I'll keep it light. There's a bunch of, I went to school in Scotland. There's a bunch of us that get together every two weeks for a zoom pub quiz and they've turned into these four or five hour marathons i would uh one's in spain one's uh, in england couple in scotland i'm here uh, i would uh i would fly us all somewhere and and with our spouses and families and and uh and have a nice safe couple of bottles of wine a nice meal and uh shoot the breeze oh i love that that's fantastic um final question what's the number one thing every contractor must do to run a successful business Hold yourself accountable to what you say you actually want. Very good. Very good. Eddie, thank you so much for being on the Toolbox for the Trades podcast. My pleasure. Time flew by. Thank you. Hey, Toolbox listeners. Did you enjoy my chat with Eddie? Well, good news. There's more where that came from. Go to servicetitan.com slash Eddie to sign up for the live webinar we're doing with him on January 14th, how to inspire extraordinary performance in 2021. If you hear this after the 14th, don't worry. You can still go to servicetitan.com slash Eddie to watch the webinar on demand. That's servicetitan.com slash E-D-D-I-E. 
Ever wonder how much your business is worth? So many owners ask that question and have no idea where to turn for an answer. In just a few clicks, Service Titan's new Service Business Valuation Calculator can give you an easy and free estimate of the current value of your business. Whether you're thinking about selling your company or looking to track growth, check it out now. Visit servicetitan.com slash value. Again, that's servicetitan.com slash value. See how much your business is worth today. Want to network with fellow service entrepreneurs and former guests of this podcast? Join our private Facebook group, Toolbox for the Trades, to get immediate access to the best tips, tricks, and tactics from fellow service entrepreneurs. Visit facebook.com slash group slash toolbox for the trades, or click the link in our show notes to join. See you online.